What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, today we have kind of, I would say, a special guest. Because, like, I mean, he's, like, relatively very unknown. No shade. He's listening in the other room. Pretty unknown, but I've known about him accidentally for a long time because he's just been following me on Twitter since he was a teenager. And he used to hit me up and ask me for advice and stuff like teenagers do. And now he's doing good, and I wanted to have him on the show to talk to him, and it's like come full circle, and it's pretty tight. But first things first, don't forget to go to Patreon.com. If you're a first-time listener, I do this. This is the only advertisement I do. I just tell people, if you like the show and you've been listening as a weekly listener, go to Patreon.com slash kind of neat, and just donate. Or not donate. It's pledging. Pledge $1 per episode. So if we're on our grind, which we have not been, it'll be 4 bucks a month tops because we only do four episodes a month tops which even that we haven't been doing so if you're not a weekly listener you can and you don't want to hear me talk my shit which i'm going to do for quite a while right now you can fast forward until you hear a beat to hear our guest travis thompson's conversation with me so why haven't we been doing episodes there are a multitude of reasons i touch on it briefly in the conversation with travis like Guys, this shit is not making any money at all anymore. Like YouTube has completely demonetized about – out of the over 100 videos that we have, I think fewer than 20 are making any money anymore. So I would say about three-quarters of our videos have been demonetized because of the new algorithm. And it's the shit that you've been hearing every fucking YouTube person talk about, about how, like, their content isn't acceptable to be monetized for advertisers or whatever. So that happened. And then that on top of the fact that, like I said, the artists make most of the money or all of the money off the video or off the songs that they have the publishing for. You know, their publishing companies make that money. So at this point... This has truly become a labor of love, and when I'm leading a life as an independent contractor and full-time hustler trying to make money, the things that pay the rent unfortunately have to come first, and sometimes that takes up enough time to where – I don't really have the time or the motivation to come do these episodes, which is a problem. I recognize that, and really in the last couple months – You know, I was talking with Ben realistically about if we even wanted to keep doing it, unfortunately. We had some meetings with some people that were a little disheartening for me and just – I don't know. Like I've been wondering if this is something that really has a future or if it's something that has been worth the time. I've loved it while I've had it and I'm not speaking about it in past tense on purpose. I'm trying to like get back into it and I have like a few more guests lined up. So – I don't know, man. It's been difficult, and so I just needed to take a little break from it. So I took like about a two-month break from doing episodes, and it felt good, and now I'm feeling a little more recharged. And hopefully I can get back into the swing of things and find some other way to monetize it or or at least find ways that this helps me get other work in the future. We shall see. That was a little inside baseball for you guys, but you know, the people that do listen to these intros, I know you guys like appreciate the honesty and openness i hope and so that was some like really honest open shit like the the older i get the harder it gets to talk to people that are so much fucking younger than me and the older i get the less sense it makes in doing stuff like quote unquote for the love that's just like a reality of doing stuff for a long time like you put in the work and eventually you want that work to pay off so anyway the fact of the matter is we have this is the second episode second week in a row that we've had an episode so obviously like 
I'm still doing it. And it's still kicking. So another reason that uh, I have not done an episode, and this is like the bigger news and maybe the happier news, I got a new place. I moved. I fucking found a house uh, with my girl. My girl and I are moving in. The one that I mentioned to you guys last year, we're still together, and it's going fantastic, and I'm deeply in love with her, and I'm so happy, and I don't know. I, I feel like both of us are just really good for each other, and um so we found a place together, and then the next step is like I'll probably I'm gonna not probably I'm like gonna end up proposing to her, and then eventually we're gonna like have kids and shit. So like that's the path that I'm on right now. I moved in, and it's great. And I have a crazy story about how I found it. So so she and I have been looking kind of casually for places for pro- for like pretty much a long time, like probably six months or something, like just kind of casually looking, but waiting until it was more of the right time for us to move. Cause she doesn't work in LA. She works in Temecula right now. And so it would be a long commute, but her office does have an LA location. So she's, we've been kind of waiting for the right time to get her up here and the time had begun to come. So we started taking it more serious in looking for places around September, like in September, we started like really looking and it's because we found this one place that kind of fit a lot of our, our, our boxes, I guess, like checked off a lot of our boxes. Cause we didn't want to live in an apartment. We wanted a house. We wanted two bedrooms because I need a place for my, not only do I need a place to have an office, but I need a place for like my brother or my mom to come down and visit my dad, you know, and someplace for them to stay. And we wanted a yard, you know, we wanted parking that wasn't on the street. We wanted a quiet neighborhood. We want all these shits that are like really hard to find in LA, right? So we found this duplex that had one shared wall with another unit and we went there and loved it. And it was this beautiful property in Eagle Rock or no, actually it was Highland Park, a little regional specific, but we've been wanting to move to the Northeast side because like it's uh, in our opinion, one of the most beautiful areas of Los Angeles. And for me, it's relatively close to the studio. So hopefully now that I'm closer to the studio, I'll do more episodes, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, we applied to this duplex and we got accepted, but it was kind of a runaround, which is a long story in and of itself that I don't want to get get into. But like, as it was getting to crunch time and I was kind of trying to figure out like, do these people seem like good landlords and like, will this be the place that we want to live at? And after like four days of no communication with them and thinking like maybe we didn't get it, then they hit me to let us know that we had it, but not before I had already given up hope that we were getting it. And I found this other place in Eagle Rock, which is a little farther north of of Highland Park and is a neighborhood that my girl and I both adore. We love Eagle Rock and we've wanted to live in Eagle Rock the whole time that we've known each other. So... That morning when I had given up hope on the duplex, I see this listing and it's for a two bedroom, one bath in Eagle Rock. That's a bungalow built in 1924. It's a craftsman home. That's like all wood floors, old plaster walls. It doesn't have any shared walls. It's its own standalone house. It has a front yard and a backyard. It's got off street parking. It's got all the things that we wanted. You know what I mean? It checked off every single box. It had air conditioning, which is crazy, like ceiling fans in every room to save money on air conditioning. I mean, it's just like for us at this moment in time, the dream place that we wanted to live. Because I've been living in Culver City for seven years and I've lived on a street that's right next to a fucking fire department and if you if <laughs> every time i'm on the phone i have to say hold on because there's sirens going by i live next door to fucking crackheads not i, I mean i hate to say crackheads 
I live next door to people that have become problematic drug users, and it wasn't actually crack. That's like such a stupid catch-all, and I feel bad for just saying that. But the point is, is like this older dude that moved in next to me is letting like really bad shit happen with this lady, and and she's a drug addict, and I see her walking around like a zombie at three in the morning, and that and and she's inviting all these other vagrants up to the house all the time. And it just became a real mess at this apartment in the last couple of years. And so I don't know. So we found this place, right? And I call and leave the guy a message because the very first sentence of the listing was no pets, please. So I just called and left a voicemail and I said, Hey, you know, my name's Lee. This is my phone number. And I saw your listing. And I just wanted to know about that very first sentence. It says no pets, please. And my girlfriend and I do have a dog, but She's a very good dog. She's a good girl. And if there's any wiggle room on that, you know, feel free to call me back and let me know. If there's no wiggle room and it's definitely no pets, I'm sorry to have wasted your time. Don't even worry about calling back. And within about five minutes, the guy calls back. He goes, hi, Lee. He's like, you know, your voicemail was just so professional sounding. I've never heard a voicemail that good about one of these listings. He's like, you you wouldn't believe some of the calls that we get from these from people, you know, like this, that and the other. And, uh, you know, I I really would like you to go check out the place. And he's like, I actually think that dog owners make for better tenants because they're more responsible. And I think like the, the homeowner, you know, I can talk her into that. I said, all right, cool. So I go over to the place and look at it and it's fucking sick. I love it. Right. It's this is everything that we've been looking for. Like I said, and, uh, Right around the time that I'm about to go leave and look at it, that's when the duplex calls me back and says, hey, you guys got it. And if you want it, I'm going to send you an email and just say that, like, yeah, you're down with all these terms and then it's yours. Right. And so I said, well, okay, cool. Let me call my girl and see if this is what we finally want to do. Just give me a couple minutes. And so that's when I go look at the place and I love it. And I talked to the realtor again and he's like, oh man, I'm glad you like it. I haven't even been inside. I was only able to look like through the windows at this spot, but I just had a gut feeling that this was the one, you know? So I call him and I said, yeah, I want to apply. And he's like, cool, I'm going to send you some applications. I really like you and I want you to get this place. And we have some other applications in, but I'm going to just try to push yours forward. And I said, all right, cool. At that point, he told me he's going to send it in like a half an hour. Then a half an hour rolls by, he doesn't send it. Then an hour rolls by, he doesn't send it. Then all of a sudden, it's like 7 o'clock at night, and he hasn't sent it. And so I'm like, hey, you know, I just wanted to like check in. I'm, I'm sitting at my computer ready to fill out these applications. Just let me know. And um, he was like, hey, you know, I have bad news. The homeowner is a little overwhelmed um, by the amount of applications, and I, I don't think she wants to take anymore. And I said, look, man. That's fine. I was like, you know, I wasn't trying to get my hopes up about this place, but I'll tell you what, if you just at least send me these applications, like we'll fill them out. And then if it doesn't work out with the other applications that you guys have in, let me know and I'll have them ready to like send, I'll have a drafted email ready to pull the trigger on when you guys need another application. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, that's fine. And he's like, uh, and then about an hour later, he emails me them and says, here, here they are. Like, if you want to risk it you, or gamble it, you know, you can send 60 bucks to do the background checks and the credit checks, or, you know, you, you can just like, you can do it yourself and prove, or, like prove your credit score or whatever, like show your FICO score. And then that way you don't waste any money. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went into fucking straight grind mode and I already had all this information pulled aside for the last place that we got accepted into. So I made this banging PDF document with like, I put, you know, our applications and then I put our FICO scores and like proof of bank accounts, proof of gainful employment, fucking copies of our IDs so they could see that we're real people and all this stuff. Right. And then 
to like tie it up in a bow. The last page of the PDF, I put our family. That was the title of the page. And it was just pictures of, of me and my girl and our dog doing various activities together, looking fucking adorable and beautiful like we are. And, uh, and that was the final page. And then I attached that to an email where I just like really fucking let loose because I was like really wanting this place and I was emotional about it. You know, I just told him, look, this is our the dream place that we want right now. It checks off every one of our boxes. And I explained all those boxes. And then I told him about us. I said, you know, we're we're a very heady couple. We're, we're intellectuals and and passionate about politics and traveling and food and da, 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 da. And, you know, and I, I talk about how in love with each other we are and this and that and the other. And then I say, you know, the reason that we really want this house or the, this second bedroom is because my father has Alzheimer's and, you know, my family comes down frequently to visit and they currently don't have a place close enough to stay. And and I was like, it would just be, you know, helpful to have someplace like this with access, close access to where he's staying, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a very open, honest, and well-thought-out email that I sent. So I just sent it over, you know? Didn't send any money, just, like, sent over that. And we just crossed our fingers and didn't really think that we'd hear from it. My girl and I were texting the whole time, and I was kind of like, look, like, don't get excited. Like, we're not going to get this. You know, it's not going to happen. The next morning at 9 a.m., I get a call uh, from the realtor, and he's like, hey, Lee, I got good news and bad news. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, the good news is the homeowner really loved your the PDF presentation and you made her like cry a little bit and she really likes you. And um, the bad news is she wants me to come up today from Palm Springs and show you the property and, and have you sign a contract. And I was like, that's fucking amazing. So on this like Hail Mary bomb that we threw for this place, it just worked. And I think if there's any you know moral to take away from that, it's like, yo – if you really want something, go that extra mile and it might work out. So, I mean, you know, basically she saw that and ignored all the other applications, I guess. And we ended up in the home. It's the perfect price point that we wanted. It checks off every box that we wanted. And, and so I've moved in. I've been moving the last couple of weeks and um, have been sleeping there now. And it's just crazy. Like I've been staying in a fucking studio apartment for so long that I, I feel like I just got out of jail or something like a jail cell and I walk around this house and it feels so big and it's not a huge house. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not like some fucking mansion. It's an old 1920s bungalow. It's two beds, one bath. It's, it's like, rel- it's like, it's not huge, but for me, like the living room of the new place is as big as my old apartment. And then we have a fucking dining room and a huge kitchen that's going to be amazing to cook in and an office and a master bedroom. And I'm just like so stoked. I'm like really ecstatic about it. And I feel like I just entered a new like chapter of my life. Like, you know, you start to have these chapters of life where things change and you can look back and go, oh yeah, that year, that's when this changed or this year, that's when that changed. So... Yeah, man. So I'm stoked. I moved. And that's why I haven't been, that's why I've been really busy too, trying to balance that. And then, you know, for those of you guys that are interested in the dad stuff, like uh, Barry's doing really good. I posted about this on Instagram. So if you follow that, you might've already seen this, but you know, he's like in a good place right now. Like what Alzheimer's tends to do is kind of like plateau for a while. And you're in the, they're in the same kind of like zone for months or a year. And then there's usually one of those chapters where like it drastically changes and gets worse. And then they plateau there for a while. So, you know, when we were moving him down, that, that was kind of a, one of the drops where it was like, Oh shit, I don't know. Like something needs to change. Cause we can't care for him anymore. And now that he's been in the, in his um, mental care for, or it's a, uh, 
memory care facility for like four months. He's like pretty even keel now. And I've got a good routine going with him where he like, he's really trusting of me and lets me, like I said, he's, he lets me like barber him pretty much every time that I go. And now he's back to a point where he's enjoying having headphones on. Cause for a while he like fucking hated he for a while he loved music loved having headphones on and shit and then for a while he started resisting that and didn't want headphones on he would just be like nope i don't want it and you know like nope 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 and if you put them on his head he would take them off and the last time i went i put headphones on him and he like was dancing and trying to sing and walking around in the hallway with me like giddy and it was it was like really moving but also my mom was down here visiting and uh seeing Man, the the first day that I went with her, his fucking face lit up like you wouldn't believe it. And, you know, people ask these questions like, oh, does he know you who you are? Or does he know who your mom is or whatever? And, and here's the thing. It's like I do know that he knows us. He doesn't know our names. He hasn't said my name in probably three years unless like coerced into saying it. So he doesn't know my name, but I think that – he recognizes that he recognizes me like he understands by the vibe I give off and by like he just understands like I don't think he knows or is able to comprehend like oh this is my son but he like knows that I'm supposed to be around him but I'll tell you this when my mom showed up he his fucking face lit up and he said I know you and a three-word sentence for him at this point is like a lot like that it was like it was like when people talk about these moments of cognizance or these moments of lucidity where people snap out of it that's the closest that they actually that he actually gets is like if he can get out a three word sentence that's like he's ha- that's his moment of lucidity it's not like it's not like in the movies where they snap out and and it's like oh Karen there you are remember that time in 1972 we went to a still a Crosby Stills and Nash concert like that's not how it works because most of the time he's like speaking literal gibberish when, when he has a moment of like lucidity it's when he can string together like I know you or I didn't do that like three word sentences that's a big deal for him and so he saw her and he was like I know you and. That whole day, they were walking around. He was smiling and laughing so much. That was like the happiest that I've seen him since I've been down there. It was very moving. It was very sad. It was like bittersweet. It was very happy and sad at the same time. Uh, it was beautiful. It was really fucking beautiful. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he's doing good. And so I'm, I'm real happy. And I met some really cool people last time I was there too, like some people my age that have been going through the same thing, which was also very moving. I, I don't know. Like this whole experience of my dad has been, has been panning out different than I thought it would in a very good way because I really thought – I've had a lot of bitterness towards my father for a long time. We didn't talk when I – as an adult before – or like when I was an adult and he was uh, – uh, before he got sick, like we didn't talk a lot. You know, and then he got sick and I didn't know how to feel about it because, like, we already didn't really have much of a relationship. And I don't know. So I've always had this weird kind of, like, don't know how to feel about the whole thing. And I know everybody thinks that I'm, like, some good dude about how – about, like, being there for him or whatever. But it's, like, all – it's all outward bullshit. Like, I'm doing the stuff. Like, I'm doing the stuff I'm supposed to do to be a quote-unquote good son. But internally, I've always had mixed emotions about everything, you know? Like, this is natural human nature. And I don't know. Something about the last few months where I've been visiting him every week and, like, and like really helping care for him and stuff, it's, like, it's become this sort of catharsis 
that I wouldn't have expected. And I feel like whether or not he recognizes it, like it's helping me get through whatever issues with him I had. And, um, I, you know, I still get little glimpses of his personality, at least like he's still kind of, he's still funny. He's still kind of funny. Like he, you can see him trying to fucking vocalize a joke or you can see him trying to fuck with somebody to like make them laugh, you know? And you know, he's still helpful. The other day I was there and the funniest thing happened. I hear help, help from some room. And I go into the room and I see there's one guy, old fella laying on the bed. And then there's another old fella kind of on top of him. Like his knees are on the ground, but he's leaned over on the guy's stomach and neither of them are super communicative, but the one guy is able to get out, help, help, help. And the other guy is not able to vocalize anything. He's not, he's no longer verbal. And I'm going, Hey, I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, help, help. And I go over to the, the guy on the ground and I say, Hey, I'm going to try to pick you up. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. And so I like get under his armpits, under the guy's armpits. And I'm thinking that he's going to be able to stand. So I get, I'm like, I get under him and in a deadlift position, like knees squatted. I'm like, this is what you've been going to the gym for, bro. I fucking get under him. I lift him up, just deadlift. And he's like a limp noodle. And I'm thinking like once I get him up that he's going to be able to stand on his own two feet. And then I realize like, oh shit, he can't stand, um, you know? And and I, and I see a wheelchair behind me and I, and I go, fuck, this is, and so I like had to like, like kind of lift like a fireman and carry him back to his thing and put him in the chair. But before I even started putting him in the chair, my dad somehow kicked into like his old medic background in the air force or something and was like, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Which was like crazy. He's like trying to help. He's like, here, here. And like puts his hands out. And the fucking guy grabs his wrists, but my dad's like very sensitive to pain right now. That's like some part of his disease for some reason is like he like touching him hurts. And the guy grabs his wrist and, and probably squeezes hard. And my guy goes, oh, shit, which is also like pretty cognizant for him. He cusses. And I'm going, OK, hey, let him. I'm like, dad, dad, go out. I'm like trying to balance three people with Alzheimer's. I'm going, dad, go outside, go outside. And the room is dark, which makes everybody more confused. That's a, like look up sundowners. And and um, so finally I get the guy to let go and then I get him in the wheelchair. Right after I get him in the wheelchair, thinking like that he his legs are inactive, he fucking stands up. He stands up and starts walking right back to where he was. And I was like, you, you got me. you know. And I go, hey, wait, wait, is this your walker? And I give him a walker. So my, my point is, is like, seeing my dad snap into a helpful mode it's like you still get these glimpses of him which is like really crazy to me and that's more of like along the lines of what it means when somebody has these moments of of cognizance that they talk about in movies that that get romanticized you know so anyway that's it i've been moving i've been uninspired with kind of neat but i'm feeling better i have been visiting my dad weekly and it's going surprisingly well and that is the summary of what i've been going through yeah Life's cool. Life is cool right now. I really fucking am down with life right now. I've been too busy to be depressed, and that's good. So I hope you guys are feeling good too. And I have a good feel-good story because our guest today, Travis Thompson, is a young man from Seattle who's on tour with Macklemore. He just got like pulled out of the depths of the local Seattle rap scene. He fucks with some of our former guests. He's uh, cool with Saul, who you guys know. He fucks with Dave B, who you guys know. He's actually on the album Gemini, Macklemore's new record, with on a song with Dave B, who is one of our guests from this year. So, you know, I always t- – you guys, if you listen for a long time, you know, like, I 
have a soft spot in my heart for the, the Seattle scene just because it's interesting to see such a microcosm of rap and also of a community of such supportive people like the fans there support local artists which is something that in los angeles you don't experience most of the time you know so it's really interesting to see and i had a good time talking to him because the other thing that we talked about is like you know he in his words not mine i was one of his early influences and that's crazy to me so i i you know i wanted to like touch on that because i thought it would be interesting and and uh and flattering it's nice to be flattered sometimes, you know. I on this show I talk a lot about validation, and that's a fucking wonderful validation to get, you know. So anyway, without further ado, that was my long ass intro because I've been going through a lot of stuff, and here is my conversation with Seattle's very own Travis Thompson. So here you are in Los Angeles. Is this your first time in LA? Um, second time. Oh, well, not my. It's like my fourth time in LA, but my second time playing LA. I played uh, the Echo with Dave. Oh, with a Dave few B. months ago. Yeah, on his oh, little spring tour thing. Were you here when he did Kind of Neat? Then uh, I was here. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, yeah. my my bad. I didn't even know about your music then. No, you're good, dog. Nobody yeah. did. Uh, right. Nobody does. That's tight. So you <laughs> you and Dave are friends. Yeah. I clearly like milk the Seattle scene for all it's worth. I've had all <laughs> the rappers from Seattle and no, no, Tacoma I, on the yeah. show. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and I, I also I fuck with uh, at, uh, etc. Etc. Oh Seattle. yeah, like, shout out Tacoma. Yeah, you know Tacoma. Seattle, you, yeah. know, you guys are nice people. Hell Very yeah. nice people. Hell yeah. Is that where you're from? Um, yeah, I I moved to Seattle from Dutch Harbor, Alaska when I was seven. You were from Alaska? Uh, I, so Kinda. when I was seven, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, but yeah, I remember a lot of Alaska, and, but you're, it was like Dutch Harbor, so it was you, like... Your dad's like a fisher or what? My mom and dad ran the galley where the fishermen would eat. No shit. So when I was, I was like the baby running around like a fisherman's galley and shit. No shit. Yeah. Dutch Harbor. I th- when I went to UAF for one year after high school, I think I like met people... From Dutch Harbor? From Dutch Harbor. Yeah. It's like southeast or what? Yeah, like super down on the islands or whatever and yeah. shit. And like, it's so boring. It's just a fisherman's thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my parents s- had to get us out of there. Smells like the ocean. Smells like fish. Yeah. Like it, playgrounds are shitty. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm chilling. It's just a fisherman's town. How did they end up in Dutch Harbor? Um, I don't know. They, they're they from Seattle. So my parents are from Seattle. And my dad is from the like Navajo Res down in uh, Arizona. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Uh, they met in Seattle. They're both like chefs. They're both like cooks. They met in a hotel, like they worked at a hotel in Seattle. And uh, my mom got a job up in a gal, like running the galley yeah. up in the harbor because she's like connected to like food people and the shit. The galley's like the cafeteria. It's or? like basically the cafeteria yeah. of like when fishermen would come in and mm-hmm. like would dock. They'd mm-hmm. come to the galley to get food, mm-hmm. and uh, she ran that whole shit. No shit. Yeah. So your parents are good cooks. My parents are fire cooks. That's tight. Fire cooks. That's really tight. So you grew up with like a... I grew up with like homies trying to come over to my house. You know what I'm saying? Because my mom, everyone was keyed and everyone was trying to eat my mom's food. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? What's her her best dish? Um, Okay, so I just turned 21 on my 21st birthday. Every year I have... On my birthday, every year I have her make my favorite thing. And it's like she makes lobster mac and cheese Mm. with just like 
regular barbecue chicken, and it's mm-hmm. just so fire. That's tight. but she can. There's that she's probably gonna get offended when she hears this because there's so many other things she can make that I'm just like not giving her her shine for. Right. But the lobster mac and cheese is hitting on something else, dog. That's tight. She's yeah. like, how dare you not shout out my foie gras? Pate? Exactly. You feel me? She's yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, she's one of those people who she's like I, she really thinks she can cook anything. That's tight. Yeah. Um. So, is uh, age seven when you get to Seattle? Like, is that where like most of your memories kind of start? Yeah, I have like a few. I have bits and pieces of Alaska. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. boats and like Dutch Harbor in Seattle. Probably not that different inherently, other than size. Like it's climate wise, I guess. Climate. Is what I mean. eh, it's a little. It's a lot cold. It's a little bit colder in Dutch Harbor, but really? like yeah. Yeah. But. For the most part, yeah. When I got here to Seattle, when I got to Seattle at seven, was when like things started like yeah. clicking. What kind of um, what's the neighborhood like in Seattle that you're from? Like um, what part of Seattle? Are you- I'm from like I'm from Burien White Center area, so that's like southwest. It's like south, just south of West Seattle. Okay. So um, yeah, like five minutes from the city, so it's like uh, um, a lot of Mexican kids. That's basically what I like. My school was like sixty percent Latino. No shit. Yeah, yeah. and then like. Uh, and then why? And then I hella Vietnamese kids and Asian kids, and then some black kids and shit. Yeah, right. So like, yeah, I grew up around hella Mexican kids. So it, your dad is from the res in Arizona. My dad is like full blood Navajo from the res. Full blood Navajo. Yeah, man. That I, seems kind of rare, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Only yeah. a few, only like a few thousand people speak the language now and shit. Oh, he speaks. He don't speak oh, it, he but like speak. my grandma does when the family comes through. Like yeah. it's like Navajo at the house and shit. No shit, that's yeah, tight. Dog. Do you go down to the res and visit? Um, what's it called? Every time, every chance I can. Like yeah. we were just there. Like I. I think like a year and a half ago was the last time but they they come up a lot more than we do because it's more fun in seattle yeah so they like the family will drive up in the van and they come stay in my house like 15 people and shit it's cool. so lit so yeah. since you're half navajo does that mean you get like free education in oklahoma if you want or something like um that? i have never heard of that oh. i've never heard one, of that. one of my friends was like full native american and, and he moved to oklahoma because he got free college there's definitely some benefits yeah. uh you get there's like scholarships and shit but that shit is still like I mean, yeah. yeah, quote unquote benefits because like yeah, of genocide. That, so it's like yeah, you the feel benefits don't shit. really like pay Real off shit. the history. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, that's dark. There's what, definitely some applications you can finesse though. Right. So what's your what's your mom then? My mom is like white, like oh, okay. German, Irish, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. half Navajo and half white. I would have just said thought that you were Mexican. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> people in Seattle either think I'm white or like they're just like I don't know what it is. Not yeah. quite. I look yeah. not quite. Either. You could you maybe Italian. I, I people would oh, be like. Okay. Oh, are you Italian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. Um, but usually I run with other Mexicans, so people just assume that I'm Mexican. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, best food on the planet, anyhow. Oh. So, yeah. what did you do as a kid growing up? Um, I started skateboarding at 11, and that's when, like, I played sports and shit until then, but that was just, like, kid shit. Mm-hmm. But then when I turned 11 is when I started skateboarding, and that's when, like, my life went downhill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How so? But just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I went to the skate park, yeah. and I was, like, a pretty sheltered kid. Like, I was... Are you the only child? Uh, no, I have a big sister, but she's, like... Six, she's like six years older than I am. So, so it's like basically you guys. Are she was off doing children. older shit, and yeah. I was like by myself or with homies. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I started skateboarding when I was eleven, and that's when like I real I got into rap music and like started doing of, all like, the bad Tony Hawk skate. No, because like I went to the skate park and I was slapping like I, of course I slapped like Eminem and like yeah. other people and shit. But then like 
I got to the skate park and I was still slapping like Green Day and Good Charlotte and everyone's like this shit is gay as fuck what are you doing like I was literally getting made fun of this yeah. shit like what are you doing like yeah. you can't slap this shit and then that's how I got into you and shit that's how motherfuckers were like you gotta listen to like don't found it what and then, I swear to god bro I'm not lying to you I'm not yeah. trying to kiss your ass or nothing no, I swear yeah, to god yeah. like yeah and that's how I got put on to like all this rap shit that's so funny at, like, that's what a weird gateway into rap exactly. is like our little obscure Los Angeles scene I swear to god I swear yeah, my homies were like putting me on really yeah. how did they find Find out about dumbfounded. I, bro, I don't know. Yeah. I can't even tell you. Like that when the kick. I remember the kick going viral. Remember that shit? Yeah, 2010. Yeah, I remember that for certain. Yeah. That, yeah, shit like that. It's but yeah. That's so funny. Knock steady shit. We were we were slapping knock steady shit. Like wow. that's how we came up. That's how we like learned about people and shit. So how that that had to be older than 11. You must have been. Yeah, I was a little bit older, but like yeah. 13, 14. Yeah, something wow. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've heard legends of Knocksteady being uh, influential, but I've never met someone that directly, like, watched it that then has gone on to, like, really get into music and, yeah. and starting to achieve, like, some level of success. So that's yeah, tight. Man. Yeah, it's a different time. Like, I, like I'm, this is going to sound like a major kiss, but, like, I grow up on different shit. So, like, this is, like, my flex. You, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I grow up on different shit. So, like, this is how I found out about music. Like, so it's tight. Right. Yeah. yeah. It came full circle. Exactly. Deadass. Yeah. For real. There was someone else that was recently on the show that said that, too, that, that like, they always wanted to do one of the videos. And exactly. And doing it was, like, the flex. And I can't remember Because exactly. I used to send you emails from my podcast and shit when yeah. I was, like, 15 running a podcast in Seattle. So, like... I'm here now, dog. Yeah. And I, again, I apologize if I never responded to the emails. <laughs> you good, I'm an you asshole. Good. Yeah. You good, you good. Uh, so, <laughs> you're 11 and you start skating. Were you, yeah. Did you get good at it? Yeah, I mean, I was never obsessive? like super filthy, but like right. that's all I did. Yeah. So, I was like good enough to run with like decent skaters. And you know what I'm saying? All my right. homies were like, that's how I got into all the bad shit because I was like 11 hanging out with like 16, 17 year olds. Was it more every day. park shit or were you guys cruising on streets uh, or what we was, was it? We had a local skate park, the Birian Skate Park, because yeah. we were at every single day, but like. What's it called? Once I turned like 12, 13, we were busting it to like Seattle like yeah. every day. Yeah. And so were you getting into like bad shit as a 13? Like were yeah, you, were you already like, oh, like, I hang with the skaters and now I fucking drink 40s and smoke blunts? Yeah. That's like literally exactly how it goes. Yeah. Like, li- yeah. Like dudes that, cause I wanted to drink a 40. I seen all of them drinking 40s. Like yeah. I remember seeing someone hit a pipe for the first time thinking that shit was like the scariest shit ever. Yeah. And like, but eventually I got into that. And then like they get you in hot shit. Like certain dudes you run with get you in hot shit. And then like they let the, I was like the youngest kid of the crew always yeah. so like if they needed someone to hold something that was super hot yeah it would be on me right because i'm the least like so watch out for travis because he's got the burner on him <laughs> i never had to hold no burner i never had to hold, i ain't gonna i ain't gonna fake pump fake like that but you know what i'm saying yeah, like they, they would make you keister the heroin no, I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> shit like that yeah I was, I was taking black tar up the button shit. oh god <laughs> no, uh, no, no, that's no. funny no but like yeah I get it like, like you're well, the one who would hold the fucking weed in the like sock or whatever weed like, or yeah. like if we hit a lick or something yeah. or shit like that yeah. Yeah. or like you're the the smallest cutest one so you exactly. go, you and go I wore, steal I, from I wore the like 7-11. a bright blue helmet with stickers on it yeah. and shit so like police were never really pressing me right so yeah. that's tight um what, 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 what was your best trick what'd you get good at bro um I don't know that's I used to do I used to do super like board slide fifty fifties so it was like super yeah. technical so like yeah, super right. tech shit all on all the different things but nice. I was never crazy fifty I was just like good enough to run with everybody yeah. you still skate I was there eh, not really <laughs> I skate like every few months you know what I'm saying yeah, like right. when I can yeah. but like now I'm fully on this like rap shit so it's like and I'm big, I'm a big boy now so it's like hard and I got right. back problems already 
How did you get back problems? Bro, when I was 15, I was fucking, like, doing a tray flip on flat, and I, like, slipped a disc, mm-hmm. but I was a dumb kid, so I didn't go to the doctor for mm-hmm. that shit. If you slip a disc, go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I didn't, and that shit grew into my spine. So, like, in the next, Ooh. like, 10 years, I'm finna have to have back surgery, dog. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. It's fucking awful. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But sound life advice, if you slip a disc, If go you to slip the a disc, go to the fucking... If your back hurts, go to the doctor, dog. The yeah. more you know. Um... But yeah. So, how, how did you do in school, Travis? Or, I mean, I, I was good up until like high school. Mm-hmm. I was like, my mom was like pressing me, and I was like getting A's, straight A's in middle school and shit. Mm-hmm. But then, like, high school happens, and like girls and weed and skateboarding, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know. Were you a popular kid? You strike me as a good talker. I feel like you'd uh, be popular. Well. I ran with all the popular people, but yeah. I wasn't fucking with nobody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, how so? Like, I ran with all the people that, like, people would consider popular, yeah. but, like, I was on my own shit. Like, I was, like, I can't. I would, like, skip school half the time to go skate. Like, right. it was just, like, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't go to a very big school either, so, like, everyone how felt like they were it? popular. Maybe, like, a thousand kids. Uh, I mean, that's not a small a, school either. Oh, shit. I, I, my, yeah. my high school had 400 kids. Damn, Total. son. Yeah. So you knew everybody well. Tiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and being from a small school, like, all the stuff about, um, like, the movie tropes about the different groups of, mm-hmm. like, jocks and nerds on stuff yeah. didn't really make sense at a school that small. Exactly. Like, and it like, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and that's what, like, my high school was, like, the same, like, mm-hmm. like 60% Latino. So it never felt like, like, the jocks ran shit. It mm-hmm. felt like everybody was doing their own thing. Right. And yeah. when, when it is that small, I feel like you, maybe you have to watch your P's and Q's a little more and get along mm-hmm. with everybody so exactly. as not to be deemed an asshole. You know? Yeah, so you exactly. Get, you, you start to learn to, like, be a chameleon in a sense. Exactly. I, yeah, I ran with everybody. I would be because I could, like, talk my way into different things. Yeah. So, like... I got to run with a lot of different people because I would just like crack jokes and shit and talk yeah, my way right. into things. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you had the universal um, conversation starter in Dumbfounded as well. Exactly. So, you know, you know like, what oh, I'm have saying? you guys heard of this Korean rapper? Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, That's hella funny. Yeah. One thing that I found out um, at an early age is that like girls don't really care about underground rap. At all, bro. Like, at all, bro. My girl does. That's why, like, I fuck with her. Yeah. My girl does. She mm-hmm. like, she like, actually is interested in trying to find out about new artists, and it's hella refreshing. Really? That's yeah. like, who's she into? Um, uh, she was really early on Brockhampton with me. You mm. fuck with Brockhampton? Yeah, they're cool. I like Brockhampton. I, I haven't delved into their stuff quite enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, I, I like, I, I really was fucking with that song Tokyo on their last yeah, project. Like, I like fire. that song a lot. Yeah, like Brockhampton, Daniel Caesar. Like, we I like Daniel on, Caesar. Exactly, a lot. like shit like that. Yeah, I tried to reach out to him for this, but I think I was too late because he's already like mad famous. Yeah, he's yeah. popping now. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, that's cool. So you guys have a common interest in, in underground yeah, music yeah, or new yeah, new music. That's my homegirl. Yeah. Yeah. That's tight. Uh, so tell me about like starting to rap then, I guess, because you're so mm-hmm. young. It's like we, we can yeah. get through life really fast. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah. Um, what's it called? I've been writing stories. I was writing stories and shit in fourth and fifth grade, like just writing like yeah. horror stories and turning them into the teacher and yeah. shit just because like I didn't know what to do with them. Like I wanted to show somebody. Yeah. So I would like always be writing and shit. And that's why teachers always said I had promised, but like I was like lazy as hell. and like What got you into up. horror stories, like scary stories to tell in the dark? Mm-hmm. Bro, how'd you fucking know? I love that Those shit were so when I was lit a kid. to get from the library. Oh my God. I'll tell you a funny story about me being a nerd, but keep, keep telling me about yeah, your writing. Yeah, yeah, just like writing stories So how'd you and find shit? those books? Like, just library shit. Like yeah. School library shit. Like, the covers of those scary stories to tell in the dark were Fire. terrifying. Fire. They're so like, scary so looking. In, like, intriguing, though. Like, dead yeah. ass. Like, you wanted right. to check those out. Those right. were always checked out when you tried to go to the library. I mean, because those have been around, obviously, since even before I was a kid. So I would see exactly. those in the library and go, like, 
how I'm a as a fourth grader, how am I like allowed to check this out? This looks mm-hmm. like graphic, you exactly. know what I'm saying? Like the skulls and, exactly. and shit. Exactly, like, and like the stories were graphic as yeah, hell too. Yeah. But that shit was lit. So like I used to just write stories and then like around like sixth grade I wrote like my first rap over like a low Wayne beat. And then Yeah, which from, one? Uh I think it Mo was Fire. I wanna say like what's the wash my shoes beat? I don't know. From no ceilings, and it's something mm. off no no ceilings came out, and mm. it was I was like, oh shit, I have to rap. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, and then from that, I was just writing over hella Lil Wayne beats, and like all through middle school, but not showing nobody because like you know what I look like, you know what I'm saying? Imagine me in seventh grade, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't look tight, right? You know what I'm saying? So I didn't I didn't think I was cool enough to rap and shit. Yeah. So like I was just writing raps on my like by myself all through like seventh to like ninth grade, and then were they good? Nah, dog. Nah, right. Nah, nah, nah. They, I mean, they. I could flow. That's what set me apart from other kids. Like, yeah. kids you had could an write inherent rhythm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I knew how to flow a lot better than people yeah. did. But like, well, because similarly, my bars weren't very. Uh, even even with our like fifteen year age difference, like my story is similar. Where I was like a uh, very uh, book heavy reader as a kid. Exactly. I used to write poetry and short stories yep. as a third Same. third and fourth grade. Same. But the thing that I found out about myself is that I had a great memorization and mm-hmm. I could imitate. And yeah. so when I listened to a Snoop Dogg album, I could memorize, could memorize. the whole thing. Yeah. But the difference between my friends and I was that I could do it all on beat and sound like him doing it, and they exactly. couldn't do that. And, I, and that's what made me think, like, hmm, maybe I got something. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. I, maybe this is different for me. Exactly, yeah. and I, yeah. Oh, so wait, let me tell you the story about the scary stories. Okay, bet. Yeah. So when I was in seventh grade, I used to have, we used to have this creepy teacher, and I can't remember his name. I don't want to put him on blast anyway. But the rumor was that he used to sit on the same toilet every day um, during his lunch break, okay. and, and and I don't know if it was just a wives' tale that had gone through the the generations but supposedly he had been super glued to the seat at one point oh, and shit. also someone had saran wrapped the, the the toilet at one point so if he was shitting then it like all got stuck on the saran yeah. wrap i don't know if those are true yeah. or not but he, he was weird he was very weird he was creepy he had chimo chimo vibes kind of yeah and so, but anyway um his seventh grade writing class he would have people submit stories or like you had to write a story every month or something and mm. then like the best ones would get gathered and put into like a book at the end mm. of the year that was like yeah. oh this is the Lynx like stories and it's like uh-huh. the, the best of the year right and so like a zine like a collection kind of yeah, yeah. yeah so that year I'm, every one of my stories that I wrote got put in Weapon that book it, right hey, but I, I, yeah so I was like uh, you know I was out you there you published dog. right right <laughs> I was yeah exactly I was like he was like you're so talented da 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 whatever so that was nice maybe he was grooming me who knows yeah, that's yeah. dark uh, <laughs> I was reading one of the ones from the year before right yeah and I was reading through it, and I was like, I recognize this story. What is – I'm like, wait, I've read this. And it turns out a dude that was a year older than me that I knew uh, um, had uh, plagiarized word for word one of the stories in Scary oh, Stories to Tell in the Dark. Fucked. Right. But I was such a snitch and a nerd that Damn. I was like, I was like, yo, Mr. Whatever. I'm like, this story is just – and I went to the library and like proved it. I like brought no. the book. <laughs> Damn, you can't I let snitch. your homie shine, dog. I know, I know. You and can't I let your homie shine. And, and to this day, I'm very embarrassed uh, that shit. I like that I felt the need to like snitch on him for <laughs> That's plagiarizing. So funny. But I, you were proud of your shit. That's why. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> I felt like, yo, this is like, like as, as much work as I put into this. Like you're telling me the previous generations are getting in by plagiarizing. I'm like, this is this Damn. like invalidates my work. Shit. So you were, you were I was, hot. I was very proud. I was <laughs> proud of my writing. That's hella funny. So that's the story of that. That's hella funny. Um, but yeah. Okay. 
okay, so you start writing raps by yourself. Yeah, just writing raps, just like alone, just like not. What, what were they nobody. about at that age? Do you remember? Just how fire I was at rapping. Yeah, you know what I'm you're, you're always like battling the hypothetical you. Like yep. your exactly. bars are whack, my bars are tight. Exactly, yeah. and just like very self-deprecating from like uh, from the jump. Yeah, you know what I'm jokes because I had to like. That's how I got out of ass beatings and shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Being able to like talk my way and like clown myself and like. You know, you already know. How yeah, I, the fat kid. Exactly, uh, oh, bro. Right. I like, didn't mean to say that. Bro, I meant, you ain't got You I ain't got That's none yeah. of that offense, like, my dog. But no, like, what, okay, my so life is fire. You can I, call I, me fat. I was, the, <laughs> I was the runt, right? So, like, I know okay. I'm like a big fella now, but as a kid, I was the smallest of my friend group. So, mm-hmm. out of being the weakling, I got yeah. good at telling jokes. Exactly. To get out of getting exactly, my ass beat, bro. And that's why, like, none of this, like, people will comment shit, and not, I've, there's nothing you can say about me that like hasn't been roasted before when I was right. growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how, like. Basically, that's how I get myself like through things. Like I was the fat kid, yeah. but I ran with people and like come for me because I'll roast your shit. You right. know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, exactly. I mean, I very specifically remember an incident in fourth grade walking home where these two kids were like saying, "I'm gonna beat your ass. I'm gonna beat your ass," and I just kept talking to them Talk your and way making out of them it. laugh. And they're and I was yeah. and then I would, I would say this and I'd be like, "Oh, well, you're a hypocrite because you said this." And like his one friend and I pitted the two friends against each other. And by the end of time, I was like, "See what I did? Now you guys hate each other and you don't want to fight me, idiots." Exactly. Real shit. Yeah. But things like that for real. And then I was just like. That's what I would rap about, like being just a kid from Seattle, mm-hmm. like a hella like skateboard raps, mm-hmm. just things like that. And then, how would you get to the actual city? Would you guys just ride bikes? Would you take a bus? What would a you bus, do? like the yeah. one twenty bus, would take. It was like a straight from. It would like right outside my house would take me to downtown Seattle, like the middle of downtown. Yeah, and so when you're at the skate park hanging with your friends and shit, is there like music playing? Like you guys have boom boxes or something? Like yeah, we like yeah. motherfuckers would always have like a like a speaker playing, and it was like. A lot of Wayne. Like, Wayne was, like... Huge at that time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Wayne was, like, this must the be Drake like of our... 2005. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, like, seven... Like seven two, yes. to, like... Seven to ten. Exactly. Was, like, like his... Wayne ran the shit. Yeah, exactly. So, like, a lot of Wayne... Um, it's interesting when you, like, like, growing up a rap fan, and um, you don't realize when you're in someone's era when you're in it, but then... Exactly. But now you yep. look back... Now I'm and, like, damn, Wayne ran shit. Right. And, and it's and funny... Still do. And then he passed the torch to Drake, and Drake ran shit for a long time and it's funny because you don't realize how much he's running it until like now he's kind of disappeared for a while and you're Mm -hmm. like oh where's drake like he was really everywhere yeah but what people don't remember sometimes is like ja rule had that for two years like people don't want to admit that but ja rule really had it for like two years you know what i mean yeah like Like, like, before 50 took over ja rule was running the radio yeah anyway blah blah blah. uh, yeah but all the dudes i ran with at the skate park were very like underground oriented and shit so like you heard of like army of the pharaohs and shit yeah of course army of the pharaohs that's the philly crew right yeah Yeah. i think so like self-titled yeah yeah and then you guys and then like hell other people hell other people but like and then around 10th grade, I started doing uh, spoken word poetry because wow. I was like, I'm not cool enough to rap. Yeah. I'm going to do this poetry shit. Yeah. And I uh, joined this program called You Speaks. I don't know if you ever heard I of haven't. it. It's like a spoken word uh, youth program. And they have they have them all over like the country. They have yeah. some in L.A. It started in the Bay, but then it like moved to Seattle. And then it's like all over the country. Yeah. But yeah, I was just so I was doing like so poetry slams. So do you have like slams. George Watsky stories then? Did you bro, run into George? Bro, that's my homie. And yeah. you remember that bridge program he did? 
Remember where he like flew kids out yes. to come to LA to film with Soul Pancake? Okay, yeah. I was one of those kids. Shut I up. I swear to God. Really? Yeah, I was one of those kids he flew out. So like George is my homie. Like I just came out with him at Bumper Shoot in Seattle. Really? He's my fucking dude. That's like my homie. Uh, yeah, I love George. He's the nicest dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like the hardest worker I know. For like he dead is ass. such a hard worker. Bro, he did a video for every song on the project. I know. It's I fucking, yeah, it's crazy. Makes no financial sense, but yeah. he's killing shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um he's one of those dudes where like he's like proof and concept that having uh, adult friends is hard because every time we mm. hang out we have the best time and we're always like we should hang out more and then He's we so, never have time because adults you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah, like, yeah. you're just adults I'm just now like starting to bridge into uh, adulting dude shit. I'm telling you once you get past like I don't know 26 27 like uh, meeting new people that you like Mm. You there's there's no way past the acquaintance zone because I get what you're saying. you know what I mean like your your best friends that like it's never gets awkward with you meet all those when you're a teenager or mm. younger you know what I'm saying yeah. like but the the um yeah making like new adult friends very hard Travis yeah, you'll man. find out I, I already be knowing I'm I don't know pretty why. anxious I don't know already I'm, I don't pretty... know why I'm like preaching to you about nah that. dog I'm I'm anxious <laughs> as hell but so yeah so, so how yeah. did you meet George or like how did so, you like, submit that Tell me I was story. I was just a kid doing poetry slams in mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. and like you speaks does like the poetry slam series and if you like you if you win there's like they pick five kids and they send them to brave new voices mm-hmm. which is an international poetry slam competition mm. and they have it in a different city every year mm-hmm. so like i was just like doing poetry slams and shit and where'd like, you get to go where did it I, take I went you? to philly philly okay i went to philly and uh but how yeah was, that's, how was philly bro we like it was cool. We stayed at, like, I forgot what university. We stayed at one of the universities. Yeah. But, like, they're all connected. It's, like, spoken word poetry, so everyone there is connected to, like, the hood and shit. Yeah. So we went to go clean up in, like, North Philly. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, the most, like, the crazy shit I've ever been in. Really? Like, North Philly was, like, I've been to, like, like the slums and shit. Yeah. And, like... North Philly was no fucking joke. Yeah, my my family is from Pennsylvania, and my first cousin Tyler actually lives in Philadelphia, and I want to get out there to visit. But yeah, I've I've heard Dog, stories it like about whole, it's like a city whole kind blocks of, taped off, but yeah. everyone's in their house because we were like walking with big groups like, of people, ro- like because we were cleaning up the yeah. we were like cleaning up yeah. like the hood and shit. Yeah. So like. Um, I remember just like whole blocks would be like police taped off, but like kids would look out their window at us, mm. and it was just like the weirdest. Like no one was on the streets in right. the daytime. Yeah, yeah, it was so crazy. Right, but yeah, but like I was just doing like poetry slams in, in like Seattle. Did you and, ever like, win any of the international ones or rank nah, high? Did you ever do do I, well in Seattle? I was like second in the city one year. Yeah. I was like I was like on second in the city. But what then, were your like, poems about? Do you remember? Like, do you like, remember any of your standoffs? I one the one that got like George that got me with George yeah. and shit. I wrote this poem called like little bitch army uh-huh. basically it was about like being like getting called a little bitch and just like reclaiming that shit and yeah. being, like and it was like about it was like super woke about how like dude like t- like masculinity and yeah. how like dudes are like supposed to be a certain way and shit right. like my poems were very like watsky inspired yeah. very yeah. like were you a humorous. fan of his before yeah, you met- dog. yeah, yeah. Right. so like yeah, that's kind of like one of my poems, like funny, what, but like was but was the gateway deep. into George the the um, that pale George kid raps one of, fast or did you already know about him before? I that? already knew about him before that. Really? So yeah, you were yeah. on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but like George is one of the people that like made me realize, oh, if you're doing poetry, you can rap too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Totally. So like when I was in tenth grade, I was like, or like eleventh grade, I was just like, fuck this, I want to rap for real now. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna take this shit seriously. So that's when I made that podcast. Mm. So your podcast 
podcast was the first thing into like your foray into rapping or what? not foray into, or what but my foray into like Seattle hip hop hip hop that so I was you, a kid going to Seattle hip hop shows but I didn't know nobody I was just a fan okay so before we get to the podcast okay, then, my t- bad. T- no it's fine tell me about like going to shows and stuff because that's what I was curious about too is like are there all ages venues where you're going and um, getting a feel for it like, um because I'm kind of younger so yeah, there were but yeah. like there's hella like all the older dudes in Seattle be like appreciate your shit because like they didn't get to go to no all ages shows right. like because of the seattle rock ordinance or something yeah so like there was no all ages shows until i was like really young and that's when i got to start like going to like Who? see scholars and see ben uh-huh. and see like like common market and shit and ben for those of you guys who are tuning in is is macklemore because you're on tour with macklemore now so you're like first name basis bro (laughs) you know what i mean old fucking hollywood seattle you know what i mean you know what i mean (laughs) everyone in seattle calls him ben everyone's like a degree of separation from that man yeah totally uh he's a he's a he seems to support the localism there which is like a very um outstanding thing i think it's very no nice for sure he's always putting on for like young people in seattle so what was your first rap show you got to go to my first rap show i got to go to yeah um like local or big one either i don't care i think my like the one that sticks out to me is the um the watch the throne tour uh-huh and that came i think they came through and i was like 14 13 you, oh yeah so you got to see jay-z and kanye <laughs> bro yeah, like I've that. never seen a rap show like that. Like I've never gone. I, the only, actually, the only stadium show I've ever been to, or like arena show, was mm-hmm. Ben's, was Macklemore's. Mm. Uh, I've never paid to see like uh, Jay Z or a Kanye or anything like yeah. that. And I, th- I don't know. I why. got straight A's one year just so I could go to that show. Part of me feels like I'll be let down if I go to see one of those. Like I, I like I don't know, bro. Be, just yeah. being in the same building as Kanye was just the wildest shit for me. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Dropout was like it for me. So, so that one just like like that kind of like sparked me being like, oh, there's like small shows in Seattle, and then I got, and then you can go. We saw like Blue Scholars at like the Showbox, and then we saw we saw like Macklemore at like um, like a Sonics rally. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, at these shows, would you like rap in ciphers at the show? Fuck no, really? hell no. Would, would there be ciphers? Here, I, I was asked nah, that there because I didn't, I didn't. What's it called? When I grew up going to shows, I didn't see many ciphers. Right, that's a big difference. Like uh, when I was a kid, well, I didn't start going to rap shows until I was eighteen because there mm-hmm. were no rap shows in Alaska, and yeah. and then I moved down to California, and that's when I my first rap show ever was um, Talib Kweli's. Um, uh, what's his big? What's his first big record that he put out with? Um, I can't think of it now. Anyway, that's how long ago it was. Uh, yeah. Eighteen years ago, it was. It was um, Talib Qual. Oh, Reflection Eternal. Okay, you know Reflection Eternal. Be- yeah, yeah, I know. It's a good album. Anyway, I went to the release party of that. That was my first rap show yeah, ever. You went to the release party. Yeah, of that? it, it oh, was. Shit. It was at. Uh, it was in Hollywood somewhere, and fucking. Uh, I was at the El Rey actually. Okay. And uh, uh, most deaf walked by me. And, and I was like, and I shook his hand, and he looked at me like all fucking weird because here's this goofy white kid, yeah. like dressed like he just moved to California. That's so funny. He was like only nipple height. Most of us very oh, short. Oh shit! Damn, I didn't even I didn't know he was short. Yeah, he's short. So the Damn. the point of this story is, at that time, like around 2000, 2001. Yeah. DJs would play instrumentals between the sets. They they wouldn't play like the hot new music. They would play instrumentals. And, like oh, people would break so- off into circles and cipher. Like Damn, there was rap circles, there was ton- lit. tons of rap nah, circles. I, ne- I never saw no shit like yeah, that. Yeah, nobody, nobody. I've seen, I saw like break dancers before, like yeah. circle up and start boying right. and shit. But right. I, nah, and I especially if I did see a cipher, I usually wasn't hopping in it. Yeah, or like unless I, unless I wrote like a sixteen like the past week that was like fire and I really? knew it. Just yeah, I, very timid. 
Right. 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 I, even now, I don't really be like 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 in the rap like that. So before you started your podcast, then and you're going to shows and stuff. Like, did you had you ever played a show? Um, and when I was like 16, 17, I was doing uh, spoken word shows. Like yeah. I was literally like getting paid to like go to different parts of Washington and yeah. play like poetry slams, like feature at poetry slams. But and, like and at something like that, do you I just do never, one poem. No, you do like a like a thirty minute set, like a poem. Set. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's tight. Yeah, and but for like no money. Damn, you had like thirty minutes uh, of yeah, poems. Dog. Yeah, dog. I was like, I bro, like I was really like moving around Seattle and like playing, like getting paid to play poetry shows. And yeah, shit. and would friends come watch you? Every they would come to the big ones. Friends weren't like spoken word scenes. Not really, my friends weren't really trying to pull, up, especially with the friends I, grew, I ran with and grew up. They fucked with me because they like they like knew I wanted to do something else. So if anyone tried to make fun of me, they're like, "What the, what you doing?" Like, yeah, da, da, da. but like yeah. they they didn't fuck with that shit. Right? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. What what yeah. was the spoken word scene like? Is it like kind of nerdy or was it like <laughs> super was it was super it like, woke? Yeah. Super like. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of it's very it's kind of older, so I was just like running with like like thirty year old cats and shit. Oh, so like right. it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. It's a fun scene to be around. It made me a better writer for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so okay, so then around the time that I start this one, mm-hmm. that's when you start your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think so. Thirteen. Yeah. Two thousand thirteen ish. Something like that. Yeah. And I was just interviewing people in Seattle while like writing raps at my house and shit. Right. And uh, tell me about starting your podcast. Like, what was the idea behind it? Like, what was the like? How did you? How did you produce it? I wanted it to just be like, how do young people start? That's what I wanted the whole thing to be about. It called it. I called it like poets of the podcast or whatever. Uh And it was just like interviewing people in Seattle. Like, how did you start doing what you're doing, and how do young people get there? Right. And that's what I wanted to like make that whole thing about. But I really did that shit just so I could meet people and like be a part of the scene. Right. So what did you do? Like, did you just go to like Guitar Center and buy some mics or something? Um, Yeah, I went to Guitar Center, bought a hundred dollar mic, like brushed up on hella pot, like your podcast, Marion, like hella other people, and just like kind of like Jack the interview style yeah and just like i mean i stole his interview everyone style steals mark maron's the, interview yeah, style. Exactly. you know everyone's podcast is a stolen idea yeah totally but um but yeah so i was just interviewing like local people in seattle coming up like our first interview was like geo the blue scholars and it was like the biggest shit for me it was like yeah. the coolest shit ever right so how yeah. did you convince them to be on because like because the, they knew episode. my faces from shows like because right. seattle shows be having like 200 300 people so like you you recognize the people who yeah. come out and like I just say what's I was like very adamant about saying what's up to people and getting to know people yeah. and like things like that and then did you find that you had a natural penchant for interviewing like were you a good conversationalist from jump or did yeah, it take some practice I definitely I'll listen back now and I'm like I'm agreeing with everything this person says you know what I'm saying just by like yeah word well then you know what I mean like not really like trying to have like a real real conversation but yeah, like, I could tell, like, people would come through because they, like, fucked with me and they knew that, like, I was just trying to do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we would always pitch it as, like, a young person's thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and then uh, did it did it gain any traction in Seattle? Like, it would people... get, like, a few hundred. That's, like, people in the music scene would know about it, but, like, it didn't catch no, like, fan traction. Right. You know like, what I'm saying? And just put it on SoundCloud? It would just be a SoundCloud thing. I didn't know how to, like, do an RSS feed or right. that shit. How many episodes did you end up doing? Like thirteen, fifteen, fifteen. Like, like think so, something no, like you that. You are a lifer, bro. Bro, your nah. episode. This is one thirty-three, homie. Dog, shit, <laughs> you're, bro. You're in this shit. I could, but you knew, I, you knew oh, why I started I hate that it shit. At this point, though, it's so. You it's, hate, you I hate don't the, hate it. I, I love dog, it. That's you can't a, be saying that's that. People ter- are paying for this shit. No, they're well, not that many. That's for sure. No, I don't hate it. That's that's a wrong thing. But it becomes <laughs> now. Now that monetization stuff has changed so much, it mm. re- it really. I heard YouTube is fucking people now. My YouTube channel makes. 
almost no money out that's of so point. shitty almost that's so trash. zero money youtube is so trash for that yeah it's terrible um but no it, it like it's funny because people talk about oh i do it for the love i do it for the love and yes I start things because I love it, mm-hmm. but you continue things because it makes sense mm-hmm. time-wise and money-wise and all that stuff. Yeah. And at this point, I like when I say it's a labor of love, it truly is a labor of love because, yeah. you know. So y'all better appreciate this yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, so who was your biggest interview uh, uh, out of those 15? Probably like Gio, yeah. Dave. Yeah, you were the early. You had the early jump on Dave B. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone in Seattle had the early jump on Dave B. Yeah, Dave is the truth. I really yeah, like him. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, he took me on my first tour and shit. Like, I don't really be talking to him much anymore. But like, that's like. Oh, you guys have beef? Not at I'm all. Not at all. Not at all. Not, <laughs> at all. not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But like that. But that's really how it goes. Like everyone fucks with each other in Seattle. But like everyone kind of runs on their own team and like their own way. Right. Because it's not the same way. It's not like Grinch scholars and Ben opening up for each other and they like their homies and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. It's not that that shit don't exist no more. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Like, uh, I mean, I, I talked, to- which is good for the scene, but also like people miss it. People the way miss the way it used to feel. Right, and I, I talked to Mike Eagle about that on the last episode. Kind of like we came up together as kids, rapping together, mm-hmm. you know, and we would see each other at shows. And I said, kids, we were in our early to mid twenties, but like, kids. yeah, kids. Uh, but yeah, we we were we would always orbit around the same solar system, and mm-hmm. then and then it gets to a point where you kind of age out of that, and then everybody's like, once again, like once it stops being for the love and it starts making monetary sense, like you don't have time to fuck around and just be hanging out anymore, mm-hmm. and you start to realize that exactly. like being backstage at a show doesn't actually do anything for it's your not, career it's not as fun as it's it. not fun anymore Mm-mm. yeah it just people seems... be trying to come backstage at these shows and i'm like you understand max baby is here like ain't no right. one turning up ain't right. no one like it's not lit yeah it's, you know what i mean totally the longer that you do it the more you just want the green room to be quiet and relaxed mm-hmm. and it kind of like playing so many shows kind of fucks up shows for me now like you know what i'm saying like i'll go to a show and you understand the facade of it all yeah you know what i'm saying you like it takes the whole theater out of it for you well and that's kind of ties into what i was saying about not wanting to go to arena shows because an arena show is just a giant version of a of a fucking little tiny mm-hmm. venue show and exactly. and you can see through all of the shit you when you see through all that shit and you know you, you <laughs> There are people – I mean Ben's a great example. Ben can – he turns into a different person on stage. He's a bigger-than-life yeah, rock star. Exactly. Like, that's why he was able to break through and cross over the way he did mm-hmm. because he can really turn on a persona. And, and you know, like Greaves, touring with Greaves, like you yeah. see that with him too. Yeah. He can really turn on a persona when he gets on stage and, and – there's this duality of character where they like understand when they're on stage they're a bigger than life thing. For me, I never I never got to that place. Like I, ne- mm. I I was always just kind of like I would be on stage in my own head like I can't believe people here are here to see me and like yeah. wow you like I'm just one of you guys you know what yeah, I mean? nah, like and I really nah. and I really felt that way. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, like seeing that kind of facade and the whole like oh you know Los Angeles great to be here and like but mm-hmm. you then maybe they'll slip up and say San Diego happy yeah, to be bro, here type I, shit you know like yeah bro I almost said Portland and Eugene I you know almost I mean? said it. it yeah. It's really like uh, you see somebody you go fuck that was like the best show I've ever been to and you realize they just did that same exact thing just with a different city name. <laughs> 
in, in the, the night same before. Things in between the songs, it, too. yeah, same banter between the songs. Yeah, and it's like, funny because like everyone on tour has like their banter and yeah. like they have things they say, but no one ever calls it out because we're all just aware. Like, yeah, that's how it goes. Like, right, you make the same jokes, you say the same thing. Yeah, it's I don't, like when you maybe see we're taking it away for people who are coming to the shows. Right, though. right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, this is a what goes into the sausage type of no, show anyway. Shit, but, yeah. but yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same thing. Like one time I saw a taping of uh, a TV show when I first moved to California, and like it ruined mm. TV for me for like a year. Damn. I was like, this fucking sucks. I can't believe really? that. It was horrible. Yeah, when I first went to like a, a DJ, what's it called, a radio station, yeah. and I saw that like there was no DJ there, he recorded it and put the CD in. Yeah. I was like, oh, right, right, damn. Yeah, yeah. So that's the whole thing. Is like the longer you do it, the more it just mm-hmm. becomes like you know. Yeah, it's just exactly. like, it's work. It, it's really work. People really don't work. get like, ah, man, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a musician or a rapper so bad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems like the best life. <laughs> and like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's life. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I feel you. I just, I just got to, I'm just now rapping full time. So yeah. it's like, it's a, it's definitely like I have to force myself to work. And like when it is work, it's like so trash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it can it's be a job super... like any other job. And and that's mm-hmm. that might and sound. I was texting you last night. Like yeah. I went straight from stage to merch booth and then like I'm I'm kicking it there and meeting people like the whole time. So yeah. that, like that's work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And it, and it is enjoyable work. It's definitely better than like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sitting in a cubicle or yeah, something maybe. exactly. I was at a preschool a few months ago. I was working at a preschool. Oh, how was that? It, it, it was cool. It was like some days it was chill. It was like a half. It was I'm, I used to be a paraeducator, so I was like a teacher's assistant in a special ed preschool. Yeah. So like some days it was cool, but like it's special ed, so some days were real as fuck. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Some right. days like you got to like bro, literally. I had like I had to be sit in on meetings where people found out their kid was autistic. Yeah, like that's that, that was like my job. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's so some sad. shit, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. But now I'm not gonna do that no more. Now I rap with right. Macklemore. <laughs> it's, it sounds like working at a preschool sounds like it would be amazing because it's like oh you're it's like being with a bunch of little human puppies all day. Not at and, all. Bro. And then I bet after a couple months you're like oh man. Some days it's like glorified babysitting. Some yeah. days it's like fuck this kid. He knows what that's he's what doing gonna, and he's being a piece of shit. That's what I was just gonna say. I'm sure at a certain point you're just like Johnny is a fucking asshole. No real <laughs> shit. Real fucking shit. And like sometimes like. Oh, I'm not even gonna say it. I was gonna say sometimes you'll grab a kid by the wrist, hella hard, like too hard, and then and then and then the teacher and then your teachers will look at you and be like, "Hey, bro," and I'll be like, "All right, yeah, my you bad." You heard it here my first. Bad. Travis is a child. Fuck. It's a, it's a no, child abuser. No, no, people like, no, no, no. I think I'm still still technically employed by the district too, so oh, I just Jesus. fucked my shit up. No, we, no, I didn't grab no kids like that. I didn't grab no kids like that. That's a horrible takeaway from this podcast too. Oh my god, that's going to the like, description. Tra- <laughs> Travis Thompson talks touring with Macklemore and child. Abuse. No, but I get it. Like, uh, I'm sure uh, my mom was an educator her whole life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and and I'm sure that uh, there were times she's a very calm person working with kids. But I'm sure there are times in her life where well, they she push was just the like, shit out of her. Uh, yeah. Like you, mm-hmm. this kid is just an asshole and there's no turning and they around know what they're that. doing. Yeah. A lot of the times they know what they're doing. Right. Right. Even like even autistic, like people think autistic kids don't know what they're doing. Like and of course, like it's a whole they live in a whole different world. And yeah. like but at the same time, like they're very aware you right, know what I'm saying right. or at least for the most part a lot of them are very aware yeah, so like right. sometimes it, the kid's autistic but yeah he's being a shitty kid yeah. he can be a shitty kid too you right, know what I mean right, right. yeah we'll edit this part out <laughs> no that's not what I'm saying I'm, I'm not just, saying I'm just kidding oh my god I know I get you I get what you're saying it sounds horrible but it's real shit and it comes from a loving place Cuddy <laughs> <laughs> oh man when when keeping it real when keeping it real goes right yeah there you go um but yeah rapping so, 16 17 years old yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, where were we? Oh, no, man. but yeah, I mean, rap is a job, just like any other yeah, job. For sure, yeah. And, and it, you know, it's one of those things where you gotta be careful what you wish for. And, exactly. And I'm sure that like Ben's a perfect example of being careful what you wish for because like the backlash on his end after like yeah. I'm sure his whole life he wanted to get famous and then he got famous and it's like all you get is shit from people yeah. when you're famous. Like it's, it's weird. I'm, yeah, I would never try to like take away if someone like if he ever did something that offended somebody. I'm not trying to take away from that. Mm-hmm. But like it's interesting to see like to kick it with the dude and mm-hmm. just like kick it with multiple people and like after reading about them and like hearing things with like if they say something problematic or something mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh this is a dude figuring this shit out day by day you know right. what i'm saying i'm like yeah i don't I, it's the blessing and a curse of having a platform you exactly. know because I mean? everybody is just human and, mm-hmm. and people fuck up and sometimes people fuck up worse than others but yeah. it's like you know yeah uh, you know everyone that i've met in this industry like i feel like most of the time their hearts are in the right place exactly so and that's yeah that's exactly most his hearts are in the right place yeah every I, yeah so uh anyhow so did you have like a first song that started to catch on after you started um, rapping no nah, not until the past like year what did you learn from doing your podcast your goal was to fucking my learn goal, how to get into it so what my did goal you learn? was to meet people yeah. and like be able to like go to shows and mm-hmm. like say what's up to the artists mm-hmm. and like be friends with artists like That's, break into the scene exactly you took a proactive approach at breaking into the exactly. scene exactly yeah exactly so and, then, and it worked it worked yeah um and then I just started putting raps out on SoundCloud, like just putting like little like like doing remixes over like Drake shit or doing like. And your style at first was kind of like bumper head backpack stuff, like bars, it, right? Exactly. And, and then just recently, you've kind of converted more to like melodic, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, or is that recent or no? Um, maybe like eh, sort of recent, I guess. Yeah. But I was just doing like I was just like figuring it out, just trying to rap, just rapping right. over like MP3s and shit. Right. And then um, after like. Um, one of the dudes I met through the podcast is named Shelton Harris. Yeah. He's, he's also a rapper from Seattle. And mm-hmm. um, uh, we just started kicking it. He, we just like, clicked after the podcast and we he skated too. So we were skating together and shit. Yeah. And he was like bubbling in the scene. Like he was opening like showbox shows in Seattle and like he had hella plays on SoundCloud and shit. And uh, I was like, yo, I want to rap for real. And like he listened to my SoundCloud. He's like, oh, you're not half bad. Like you want me to put you in a real studio? And I was like, yep. And that's how uh, he introduced me to Nima Schemes, which is Saul's dude. Yeah. So yeah, they run a studio up in North Seattle. And that used he, to be Ben's studio, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, he talked about that on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he used to he would just drive me to the studio like once a week to go like record. Yeah, like that's my that's like my bro. You know, that's my brother now because yeah. like he used to, and he's my manager now. Shelton. Shelton Harris. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he stopped rapping then to become he, the manager. He or? didn't stop rapping. He just kind of like like life shit happens and he kind of just like like he he me, still has a project. He released a project last year and it gets hella plays. It's getting more plays than my shit for real. Like let me he, tell you something, Travis. The smart kids. They get out of the rap and they start the managing. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's, he's going to be rich. I already know. He's like, he's one of those dudes. I'll you know tell you I mean? something about managers, too. Is he, are, are you the first one that he's managing? Yeah. You know, the first one, they mess it up. And then oh, shit. they get the next one right. Oh, fuck. You better watch out. <laughs> Oh, damn, dog. I'm just fucking no, with you. You, you. Got, you guys you. are going to do it. I mean, there's always patent chance. You know what I'm saying? That was, no, exa- that was his first try. Exactly. So there and, you go. Uh, but yeah, he just, and it's not even like he doesn't rap anymore. He just like is, uh, he's, doesn't. He, he's probably like a lot of people that are, that, um. He'll never lose the rapping bug. Right. But, it, but if you're self-aware enough, you can realize that maybe you'll have more success behind the scenes. And it's not even that he's not, he was not tight enough to do it. It's, it's that like, he's just not like, I don't know. He knows he's very like, 
cool with just like not being the front right. dude. You know what right. I mean? He's, he's just like there's a there's a distinct lack of ego that will that exactly, helps him exactly exactly. Yeah. So, but and he also he wants to see other people win as much as he right. wants himself be, to win because so, like, this rap shit is really a disease within us. Like the, it's a exactly. it's a constant need for validation exactly. and a constant need to like tell people like look at me, look how good I am at something mm-hmm. like uh, and mm-hmm. and receiving that praise. You know, yeah. There's a void within all of us creatives where we I need that. It's fucked. Yeah. Where does your void come from? My void, yeah. Uh, why, like, why? Why, I make why music? do you seek that validation? I don't know, man. You, now you got me in my feelings and shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm an attention addict. If that, like, yeah. I've always needed attention. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. You, you just sent me into a conundrum. That's I know. Gonna I was gonna say, there's some, there's some, I can there's something dark under there. You know what I'm saying? No. It, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I didn't find out, out. I didn't find out my reason why until I was older than you. Ugh. Yeah. So thanks for that, dog. No, it's actually, it's actually <laughs> kind of like relieving once you no, figure it you. out because then you can kind of proactively fight against it a little bit. I, guess, I don't know. It's one of the only things I feel good at. Yeah. So like. I'm going all out at it. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But so I meet him. He starts taking me to the studio. Nima. Yeah, or no, Shelton, I mean, Shelton and, and Nima, and yeah, and Nima was my engineer. Yeah, and but like you know how engineers are, he, I was just kind of like a client for a while. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. And, and uh, um, so like I was just a client, like coming through like once a week to record, and like it was made like a shitty little EP, put it out. It was I don't know, and like, it got me opening slots in Seattle. Which that's is, what I was like, gonna ask. Like, when did you start getting opening slots? Because that's around the route like two thousand. Like early 2015, 2015. So just recently. Yeah, pretty. Like, yeah. I've only been doing this shit for seriously for like two and a half. Three yeah, years. yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was just opening like like weird shows and like I, like if white dudes would come through, like I'd open for like Sammy Adams. I'd open for like like I don't know different like different rap dudes. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And then I started putting out like my music. Me and Nima started working together. So like I was just going to the studio recording, put out a EP, it was whatever, and then I was opening local shows. And then eventually, me and Nima just started working together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Does he so produce like, beats too? He, yeah, he makes he makes, he makes all the right? Saul's beats, yeah. and like he's made like a, like the majority of my shit. He like executive produced the mixtape I put out last year. Okay, yeah. So you guys, just, he was just like, I see promise. He in was you. like, exactly, I like, see promise. Let's let's so do something. When when a producer works with multiple guys like that, like, do you get is there is there a hierarchy to who gets to hear the beats first, or does he kind of know like? Oh, uh, this is a Saul beat and this is a Travis beat. Yeah. yeah. He, he's aware of like what beat should go to who. And also like I, we do a lot of beat sessions. So like I'll come to the studio when I have nothing And just make down, something and we'll together. And we'll make something. Yeah. Know, That's tight. Things like that. Yeah. And it's like, and the rates go down if like you, we start working. You know what I'm saying? Because like yeah. he understands where I'm coming from and what my pockets look like. You know what I'm saying? And like and we at work a certain, together. At a certain point, I would imagine that maybe you guys just talk about like, oh, don't pay me up front. Just give me back end shit. Like, shit like that. Split that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit like that. Yeah, totally. That's cool. And, uh... I think things started bubbling around, like, when I dropped this song called Father Forgive Me. Yeah. Maybe, like, I don't know, it was, like, a year ago. Yeah. And that's when, like, things... that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why things in Seattle... That's when things in Seattle kind of, like... That's when, like, Dave put me on his, like, one of his his big headliner for the last project he did. Yeah. And just, like, that's when, like, things started getting, like, moving. You know what I mean? Picking up. That's a lie, because I did a song called Archada. Oh yeah, Horchata is the one that's like the older one. On, the older on one, yeah. That's that the one, like one where I was like, "Oh, this is I... kind of like more backpacky than than sing songy." Yeah, right? that's when I was. That was when, yeah, that was one of my first sessions with Nima. I just like yeah. record. I just wrote this long ass rap over a stolen beat from SoundCloud. Yeah, and then we shot this weird video for it, and like it didn't do nothing for like a whole year, and then one day it made the front page of Reddit. Really? Then, how, yeah, how, that's how, why it has so many views. How did that happen? 
Do you know? Bro, I have no clue. Yeah. Like, I literally just, like, I got a couple messages. Like, when I was working in, like, a hip-hop program that, like, Ben runs, actually. Mm-hmm. I was, like, a... Um, like an intern there, yeah, and uh, some teaching was, kids to rap or something. Pretty much, no, yeah. like I'm not teaching kids to rap, but like things like that. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, and uh, like a kid was like, "Yo, I found your song on Reddit today," and I was like, "Oh, I don't know what that meant." I was like, "Oh, that's cool, word." And then I saw it had gone up like six thousand plays. I was like, "Oh, word," because it, it only had like two thousand. You know what I mean? It was just like it was a video in Seattle, and then uh, I woke up the next day and that shit had like over a hundred thousand. Yeah, overnight. that's funny because the only video that I've ever had made the front page of Reddit was the imagining video, and mm. it was like, and it's because like if they can give the elevator pitch in a really exactly. good headline, where it's like rapper talks about his father's Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and then everybody started upvoting it, and it yeah. got to the very top fr- uh, the very top post on Reddit, and that's like yeah, the, mine was the like chubby thing. white kid. There you go, bits or some there you shit. Go. Like, like they come up with like some kind of catchy elevator exactly, pitch, exactly, and, and exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. and like. Yeah, and then I, I did that, which kind of, like, that didn't really do anything for me in Seattle, but it mm-hmm. kind of, like, that's when I started getting fans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have fans before that. Mm-hmm. And then I just started, kept doing singles, and uh, I dropped a mixtape last year called Ambomb that was executive produced. Yeah, so you Maybe, just I don't got... mean to just jump through this no, shit. No, it's I'm, fine. We're, but it's all a blur. I smoke way too much weed. No, I mean, the last, the years can go by in minutes on a you know podcast. I mean? So tell me about Ambomb, because... You like, just, just got, got the tattoo. I just got it yesterday. Yeah, it's all it's like all scabby and red. No, it's pretty though, right? Yeah, it's nice. They did a good job. I have a tramp stamp in the, in a very similar like writing. Um, a similar font. Similar font. Look at is it Times New Roman? Yeah, okay. You didn't believe yeah. me that I have a tramp stamp. Damn, that was my that's, fir- that's a paragraph too. That was my first. I'm sorry that I just showed you my ass crack, but you that was my that. first tattoo. Like the day I turned <laughs> 18, 18 years ago. That's that's the first thing you got. Yeah, because tramp stamps weren't like a big deal back then. Like mad yeah. people had like it didn't even have a nickname yet. No, the, <laughs> I remember for the first time hearing the nickname, particularly hearing the nickname in a movie, and, mm. and I was like, "Ooh, my life just got like worse." Uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, "It's bad that I have this tattoo." But at that time, in like 1999, like lower lower back tattoos were like a cool place to see if you liked getting tattooed like I know to see if you mean. could tolerate it you know because then your parents mean. wouldn't find out mm, like i get what you're saying yeah uh so anyhow so the ambomb what is the what's the science behind the title uh ambomb is the street i grew up on it's the street that connects Burien to white center to west seattle it's okay like the it's just like one long road that connects like three neighborhoods yeah and what does it mean to you uh, it's the it's where that 120 bus I was talking about. That's yeah. the bus. That's the street it runs on, and like that's just where we hung out. Like yeah. that's just like where we skated and like did a bunch of bad shit. That's where you learned. That's, that's where, where you like, learned I, everything. Exactly where I learned all of it. Ah. So that's where that's where like that comes from. Yeah, but it's still it's still like it's not like it's funny because it's like it's still not like so hella cool. So your re- first tattoo? It's my first tattoo. Man. Oh man, just happened yet? Yeah, Ben well, was peer pressuring us. Well, you're fucked, man. You're gonna be I already sleeved more, up dog. in like a couple weeks. I don't, I, I'm thinking the next one is gonna be the dropout bear. Oh, Somewhere. really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The dropout okay. bear. Yeah, okay. It's going to be fire. Yeah, do it on your face, man. You'll get, you'll get, you'll get famous faster. Motherfuckers at the tattoo shop was saying that's disrespectful to jump straight to your face. And I was like, let's do it. It is super. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. I like, didn't know about tattoo culture until yesterday. There's a crazy tattoo. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that I'm like clued into it. I'm definitely not. Like yeah. all of my tattoos, most of my tattoos I've gotten for free from like people that like that's my fire. music, which is tight. That's fire. Uh, yeah. And so shout out to fucking the homies like Josh yeah. and Guy on Negro. Anyway, yeah. but uh 
there's definitely like a, a, hier- a hierarchy of like how when you're where you're supposed to start. Where you're supposed to start, and, and like even the fact I think now they, that they kids, weren't mad at this one, kids, they were like, yep, yeah, that's where you're supposed to start, right? But yeah. e- even that to an extent, like 20 years ago, people would be like, don't start on your forearm, like really, in, yeah, you start in a place where it's hidden. So you start uh, on your shoulder, you start on your shoulders or your biceps, and then you work your way down as you're running out of room. But now uh, people start off on their hands, and, and like old school tattoo artists are like, you fucking poser, I you know, know. and they're like starting on your neck, like. Damn. It's crazy when you see kids that have like their neck and their forearms done and nothing else because I know, that's but that shit's so crazy to me too. Because like I can't, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna get a tat like that until I know for sure I'm rapping forever. Right, that's you know what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I don't, like I, I, I shit get, is going well now, but I don't know how what it's gonna look like five years down right. the road. You know I, I, I mean? get the like, concept of doing that to force yourself to learn to hustle because you're unemployable. But at the same time, then, at the same time, within that tattoo culture, like if you're a real lifer for tattoos, like that's yeah. like the, the backwards way to do it. You know, like, for real, not, completely not backwards. That, my mom had no faith in me too. I was like, I'm gonna get a face tat, and she like called me. She's like, please don't get a face tattoo. Like, That's please so don't. Funny. And I was like, what the fuck you think? But this you got is? you got a strong hairline. You could get a forehead tattoo, and you nobody know would saying? know because you got bangs. Because I got that because of the Bieber hair, dog. Yeah, there you go. I, <laughs> that Navajo hair, it don't go away. I ain't never going bald, dog. Damn. I ain't never. Let me see that hairline. Lift your hair. Dog. All right, yeah, you good. Hey, my grandpa got a full head of hair. All right, you good. You know what yeah, I'm saying? My, none of my the male figures in my life have hair. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm balder, the, balder than George Costanza. That's the, that's the white thing, dog. <sighs> Fuck. I, I know. know what I mean. I know. It's, one it's of a the... shame. So uh, <laughs> how did you – okay, let's wrap it up by saying like how did you get pulled onto this tour? How did you end up on Gemini? Okay. And what are you currently working on? Okay. In whatever order so, you want to. Um, wait, what, was the, what was the first part of that? How did you end up on this tour? Okay. So um, Tyler, Tyler Dops, he just produced uh, – like him and Budo produced the whole album with Ben, the new one. I was thinking of Sam Lachow, by the way. Or Sam Lachow. Sam Lachow. Oh, I don't, can't believe I didn't say his name yet. He's popping in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, – but yeah, so I've just been like doing my thing in Seattle and just like playing my own like headliners and just like putting out like quality videos and quality singles. When you headline, how many people can you draw in Seattle? I just so- did my biggest. I did the Crocodile. Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah that's I the just only hit place capacity at Crocodile. So that's what four on my headliner. It was like four sixty. Tight. So like I just that was like that's my that's biggest huge. headliner. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I always say, man. Playing shows in Seattle. Seattle is the place where, like, as a local rapper, you could really sell It's so fire, bro. It's so fire. It takes forever to sell out a show as a local in L.A. Mm -hmm. Because it's a whole different thing. You have to exist on the internet first. This is a nation city. This isn't a fucking city city. Yeah, word of mouth still, like, is, is, like, one of the biggest things in Seattle. Yeah, totally. Because it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, like, kind of separated its own thing. So you start headlining and playing shows. I was just playing my own shows in Seattle, putting out, like, singles. And, like, Tyler produced a lot for me. Tyler Dops. Tyler Dops produces a lot of the work that I do. So, like, he was in Ben's ear when I was dropping singles, just, like, showing him shit. Yeah. And, like, Ben really liked this song I did called Need You. And then he, I just saw him backstage. He's like, yo, you should come to the studio sometime. And then, uh, so I just was, like, kicking it with them, like, in the studio, going to, like, different things. And then we get a, me and Shelton are just kicking it smoking one day. And then we get sent a beat from Tyler. Not even It wasn't even a song yet. And he was just like, how fast could you write to this? And I was like you've heard the corner store beat I was like I could have a verse to that shit in 20 minutes Yeah, you know what I mean and then he was like come to the studio and I was like oh shit yeah. so we mobbed over there it wasn't even a song yet and then like they built the song around like my verse really because the, the thing said like I think the sample says 2am or something yeah. so I was just like 2am I posted and then did my verse and then Dave came the next day did the hook wow and then yeah and because 
they had already been working on it, but that I was just kind of like removed on something as big as a Macklemore record. Because I, mm-hmm. I do, I do love finding out what goes into the sausage. Yeah. Is, is it something where you write a first draft and they're like, okay, we need to change this, this, and this to make it more presentable? Or no? I no, they fucked with what I did first, and really? I was the one who was campaigning to change it a little bit because really? I, I, I had like parts that I wanted to change or just say better because yeah. like I don't know, like they threw me in the studio, they were just like sitting there watching me do what I like. like that verse wasn't going to come out the best. You know right. what I'm saying? Like I, I had to go back and redo it. Uh-huh. And like I had to campaign to get back there. Like, no, we fuck with it. And I was like, no. Yeah. I was like sending them. I was like texting them voice memos. Like it's got to sound like this. Right. And then I went back and like redid it. Nice. And, so they yeah. let you do a final draft. They let me do a final draft. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, was, it, was, it, was very it, simple. Very like, very like regular. Was like, it surreal? Yeah. Yeah. I try. Yeah. Cause, Cause like, I mean, I go, I grew up going like i grew up on language in my world and shit as corny as that yeah. i'm not like ben's gonna listen to this shit and make fun of me for being a fan yeah. but like i grew up on that man so like every night coming out on corner store in front of like thousands of people it's yeah. fucking crazy i mean that's, you know the what I'm big, that's the biggest rapper like, arguably to come, ever come have, out of the northwest motherfuckers can feel away because yeah. like because yeah. like thrift shop happened but yeah. like ben puts on for the city and he's been killing it, shit for a minute for and like 15 a, years and i'm a kid from seattle and like fuck how you're feeling like this shit is tight you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. like I mean that's the thing, like Ben. If you are listening, I've made I've made jokes at Macklemore's expense on Twitter uh, when when it was like popping to do that. But here's the thing: is that I ha- I've always had a lot of respect for that dude because he has been doing it lo- as long, if not mm-hmm. longer than me. As long, and Danny and he made as long it as I've been alive. There, there are videos of him battling some of my best friends mm-hmm. from 15 years ago. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like exactly. for like he that is a person that like regardless of what has ended up with his career loves rap music and has been working on it for He's fucking ever real dude yeah you know what i'm saying and so like beyond that like other than maybe arguably sir mix a lot might have had a bigger song than him at the time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like mix a lot ain't done for the city what ben has for sure you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. that, that's that is a huge rapper that's like you know what fucking yeah. i don't know what no yeah it's wild that what it's, scarface is to houston ben is to fucking <laughs> seattle you know shit, what i'm saying shit, so i would imagine as a young seattle kid yeah, like, dude, to be working crazy. with him has to be surreal and uh yeah it's it is surreal coming out on coming out and like performing on corner store and like rapping next to him every night is some shit you know what I mean it's yeah. like wild people go nuts I'm sure yeah and it's fire because that's when like I'll open my set and people are like oh that's cool and then I come out on corner store and everyone gives a shit all of a sudden right you know what I mean so it's right. a, he's like helping me out it's a good look you know what I mean it's a huge look huge and I mean he look. doesn't and have to do stuff like he doesn't that. have to do shit like this that's why I'm hella appreciative he, he, of it he could have had any like major he label he sold out art. the whole tour dog he didn't need an opener right exactly. you know what I mean like well and I'm sure like there are labels that would be paying him to put their like new act on mm-hmm. for him every night exactly you know what I'm and he's yeah he's not about that shit which is like yeah and like how i got on the tour i don't like i don't i don't even like i was i made that song with him and then like i got a call not even like less than a month ago yeah and he was just like <laughs> it's hell he's gonna get hell mad i uh he called me he's like hey are you on weed i said <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny too because like motherfuckers make fun of him for that shit but that man is, was really like about it but like yeah. he was like are you on weed and I was like nah you sound like the police <laughs> and then I was like <laughs> and, he, and I was like nah I'm sober he's like hey man you trying to go on this tour I was like stop fucking around I was like don't play with me yeah. and he was like nah the whole US I was like of course I'm trying to go on this tour yeah. and that was like three weeks ago three and a half a month ago you know what I'm saying and yeah. I mean, now did, I'm on the road so now does it feel like life does it feel like your eminent future has changed 
No, for sure. Yeah, okay. like already, like even just announcing it, things are different. Even yeah. though when I announced the tour, it was like people started looking at me different. And like, oh, I mean, people, I started following. I mean, like, yeah. you, I mean, I I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound like all fucking snobby or douchey, but like you've been following me a long time and I recognized your name. And, and, and you, but you had no reason to follow back, Cody. I, I didn't you know. Don't, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. But that's, what I'm, well, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, for example, like as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, let me let listen me, to some of this. And then I was like, this is great. Let, let me yeah. follow him. Let me reach out. Thank like you, you know what I'm saying, like so yeah. something like that does make a big difference. Big difference, yeah. and like like we already have show offers coming in for when I get home, like yeah. hella more than we're like there before. That's you know what fantastic. I'm saying? So like yeah. things like that, yeah, like it's things are starting to move now, and I gotta go. I don't gotta change diapers or get punched in the face by three year olds no yeah. more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. But like right now, like no, what we got no going more grabbing on? Grabbing kids by the wrist. No more grabbing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah what, so what i'm me and tyler are working on a mixtape right now okay good so tell the people one more time like what the last mixtape is called the last mixtape is called ambom and and, oh yeah duh man bomb the tattoo and then and you can find that on you SoundCloud, can find that SoundCloud, spotify, spotify itunes apple music everywhere and it's spelled a-m-b-a-u-m yeah ambom kind of i i thought it was like some kind of playoff atom bomb Oh, no, that's fire. Like, uh, I'm dropping an amp bomb on these fools. That's uh, fire. No, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, there you go. Double meaning. Uh, but, yeah, Travis Thompson. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I Thank mean, you, it's, man, it's, for real. it's very rare for me to see someone like that like for one will admit they've heard my raps and not nah, be embarrassed nah, by Cuddy, but, uh, we, but, we was on your shit but, bro, but, for but, real. but also to like see that like uh, here's the thing is that like being the type of rapper that i am the main type of fan that i had was underground rappers that were trying to get on that were like mm. really really bad you know oh, okay, and they thought that saying. they thought that like following me would somehow help them you mm, know what i'm saying i get what you're saying and, and, and so to see someone that like started rapping and and even if i if even if my little scene in la had some small part to do with it like that's amazingly flattering Not to me, me and, I, and i'm so happy i'm pretty to, like, sure there's a there's it's, i have like a soundcloud remix of like otis redding so wow that's so crazy like, i swear to god that's tight uh and, and you know yeah so anyway I'm, I'm just glad to see like things starting to pop for you i no, think yeah, it's like man. i think it's really amazing and I'm, you, and I'm super happy for you thank you yeah. for real shit is weird it's crazy yeah it's, like, it's tight thank you man. i think and i think um you know just with your attitude and 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 you know your the how happy and joyful your music is <laughs> yeah. I, I think that like you know there are bright things coming so just thank you keep, dog, keep at real. it yeah, yeah most definitely um tell the people where to find you online you can find me at at Travis, the letter X Thompson, so Travis X Thompson, and that's across the board. T H O M P S O N. Yeah, Travis X T H O M P S O N. Yeah, and that's everywhere. That's Instagram. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe YouTube's Travis Thompson Music. But if you YouTube Travis Thompson, you Google Travis Thompson, you'll find all of it. Yeah, because it. And so here's a here's a fucking hint to all of you guys out here that are still listening at this point too. If you want to see Macklemore in your city. For free, I'll bet you most of the cities that Travis is going to be in, he has an empty guest list. I don't know nobody, dog. You don't know anybody. He does probably doesn't have anybody. I don't know nobody in Nashville. I don't know nobody in South Dakota or wherever. You know what I'm saying? If if you see Matt, if you're a fan in that city, DM him. Hit me up. You know what I'm saying? That's the secret. Like hit the opening act. I know it's so funny too because I always see big artists be like, "Damn me your full name," and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're the realist." And I'm like, "Yo, he could have just listed him. It's so easy." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's still a good thing. 
thing to do. You know what I mean? I, right. I fuck with it. D- what's it called? Like letting kids come to the show for free that like like tweeted Love. me and shit. Yeah. That's like a fan forever. You know what I'm saying? Forever. Getting, getting like getting to meet them and like when they're hype as fuck and it's forever. so tight. Yeah. So, yeah. So real shit. If you want to see Macklemore uh, and you're listening, or you want to see Travis Thompson and yeah, you're listening, you and, you're in a, and you're in a weird city in the middle of America, yeah, hit me up, dog. Hit, hit him because <laughs> I'm sure he'll let you in. No man, thank you for having me. This shit is awesome. Yeah, most definitely. I'm glad that you came through. I'm glad that we had time. And um, what are you going to be performing? Need you. Need you. Need you yeah. All right. So, uh, guys, my name is Lee. Some of you might know me as Intuition. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man on the boards making the shit sound buttery. buttery. Ben shit where he knows. At I am database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kinda Neat. Where you're just watching for free because we don't make no fucking money off of it. Like I told you earlier. Dog. So... That said, if you want to support the show at all, hit that Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash kind of neat. Give us a buck an episode. We don't put out that many episodes anymore, so you ain't going to be wasting that much money, but it does, every little bit does help. Um, other than that, I think we did what we came yeah, to man. do. That was Travis. Yeah, yeah. I'm Lee, and this was kind of neat. Yeah.